0: I think the favorite aspect of my day is just the knowledge. You, you come to work and it's always, it's always something different. Helicopters flying, planes flying, bullets, artillery, mortars, I mean you name it, it's always something different. We have archaeological digs going on right now. Um, so it was, it's, it's neat to, to see all the, the history that's behind Chaffee as well.
1: With the Arkansas Army National Guard. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class Jim Houston. The Arkansas Army National Guard has deployed soldiers from Texas to Europe to the Middle East in 2023, and for many soldiers, this will be their first deployment. Knowing what benefits you and your family have earned while on active duty is why attending the Yellow Ribbon Reintegration Program is important for you and the family that supports you. In this episode, we'll talk to Master Sergeant Andre Chotry, the Yellow Ribbon Reintegration Program Coordinator for the Arkansas Army National Guard. We'll travel to Rogers, Arkansas for the 9-11 Ruck March and talk to Sergeant First Class Luis Mendez and Sergeant Carlos Alvarez about creating a community event that brings the city together to remember 9-11. And we'll speak with Collie Andrews, the Suicide Prevention Program Coordinator for the Arkansas Army National Guard, about the ACE SI course or Ask Care Escort Suicide Intervention course. we will stop by Fort Chaffee Range Control for an end of summer safety brief.
2: Let's get to it. Great job, everyone. Looks like everyone passed the ACFT. We have coffee and bagels and juice, so dig in while we wait for everyone to get back.
3: Mmm, these look good.
2: Hold on there, warrior. Don't eat
3: me. What? I'm
1: a Poppy Seed Bagel. Uh.
3: So? Eating
1: foods that contain poppy seeds may lead to false positives for codeine or morphine. Oh,
3: well. Drill's over. It'll be fine.
1: Really? It still feels a little early for a Sunday.
2: Oh, good. Everybody's here. Today, our unit will be drug tested for illegal substance use.
4: (laughs)
3: Thank you, poppy seed bagel.
1: If you're taking supplements or consuming certain foods for health reasons or working out, go to Operation Supplement Safety at OPSS.org. There you'll find information on DOD prohibited dietary supplement ingredients and other health information for diet and exercise. How is my French accent?
4: That was a French accent? Is that it?
1: Yes. <laughs> You're listening to Drill Weekend with the Arkansas Army National Guard. The Yellow Ribbon Reintegration Program was established under the National Defense Authorization Act of 2008 as a means to assist National Guard and reserve soldiers in their transition from their civilian life To active duty military and back again. The program provides the information and contacts family and soldiers need to access resources during deployments and obtain the benefits they've earned when they return to their civilian careers. I spoke with Master Sergeant Andre Chautry, the Yellow Ribbon Coordinator for the Arkansas Army National Guard at Building 7301 for his insights after more than seven years working with the program. What does the Yellow Ribbon Program do for soldiers and their families? Why is it important for the National Guard?
2: well the mission for the yellow ribbon is to assist uh, deploying service members their families designated individuals basically the people that are going to be navigating the soldiers day-to-day affairs in their absence it connects them to all their uh, benefits and resources that they're going to need and that they've earned by their service but that they're going to need during the uh, deploy or deployment life cycle
1: how has it changed since when you started to what we have
2: today The resources are always advancing, more programs are being available to soldiers and their families, Uh, a lot more benefits are coming up. But a lot of times, a lot of the big changes that we saw was really on how we conduct an event. You know, COVID showed us that. We moved from a uh, in-person events to virtual events and then back to in-person. And it allowed us to understand uh, how to reach our audiences in different ways and still keep the information and resources there uh, pertinent. What was life like for Guardsmen before the Yellow Ribbon program, and what was the need that spurred it
1: into creation? What, what, what came about that that said, hey, we need this program, we need to develop something like this? Where did it come from?
2: National Guard, unlike its uh, active duty counterpart, we don't live on post. We don't have those resources available to us or readily available to us. So what ends up happening is people didn't know uh, what their entitlements were, their resources. If there was something broke down or there was a problem uh, in the household while the soldier was uh, deployed nobody knew where to go they didn't know what their tricare benefits were um they didn't know that there was uh soldier family readiness experts out there to be able to help them with just regular life-to-life pro- or day-to-day problems there's a uh, i remember back for me 2001 when i deployed to bosnia we just ended up talking to a few people here and there um it would be in like a school auditorium or in the armory and now, today, we provide an uh, an environment that's conducive with learning. It's comfortable. We we provide the meal. We try to compensate uh, soldiers and their families that are, have to come from a long distance, and it gets all those resources in one place at one time. So then everybody gets to actually connect face to face and shake hands, get pamphlets, and really just know, hey, this this is what I'm going to need during the deployment.
1: What, is, what are some of the takeaways that you want soldiers to have uh, when their families come to a, a Yellow Ribbon program? Are there certain benefits you want to nail down and, and make sure that they walk away with, that they're not going to forget or, or not take advantage of when their uh, soldier is deployed or when they return?
2: So those benefits are going to be dependent on what part, what Yellow Ribbon event during the deployment lifecycle that they're attending. So there's five events for the uh, for the deploying unit, there's the pre which introduces them uh, to their benefits and gets that face time and all that good stuff. In that case, for a pre, I'd want soldiers to take away, you know. TRICARE, how are we going to utilize it properly and what is or isn't available to them. The VA, I like to have the VA there because uh, the VA is really good at saying if this happens to you or something occurs, an injury, something to that effect, have it annotated because at the end of your career it's going to matter. So they sort of tell them up front, if you get hurt or whatever happens while you're downrange or deployed, things that you should have annotated. Personal financial counselor, absolutely amazing because we know in our state And economically, we have a lot of soldiers that this is going to be a lot better money for them deploying than their civilian job. So they're going to have to know that this isn't permanent money, but how to best make that money work for them in the time that they're earning it. Personal financial counseling is great on that. And really, the the big thing is those soldier family readiness specialists that are there in each region and... Uh, for each unit, that's going to be that point of contact. That you know, hey, I have a problem at the house, or uh, an issue has come up. You know, that's who the the family member designated individual gets to call, and and they're going to help in the best of their ability. So those are really some big takeaways. We even provide uh, military family life counselors there, military one source. There's all kinds of resources there. I have the influx there just for the fact that a first time deployer, their their family member, their mom, dad, whoever, their spouse, designated individual could be like, you know, I'm I'm really kinda stressed about this. I'm it's really unknown. I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety and they get to talk to that person right then and there. We have Jag there. We have so many things to be able to answer those questions before it becomes a problem during the deployment
1: the deployed soldier has to attend the Yellow Ribbon Program. But what would you say to encourage that family member that may be on the shelf about whether or not they want to attend the program with their loved one, um, say, uh, maybe a child care concern, or, or, uh, or maybe they don't think that there's a benefit that they would need to be there? What, what would you say to encourage a family member to, to attend the meeting?
2: I would encourage them because, again, even if they're a veteran deployer, um, and the family members are used to a deployment, there's always more benefits out there. When the budget affords, there's child care there. We have the National Guard Child and Youth that handles uh, uh, resiliency and activities for, uh, for the kids ages six on up. And we also get federally recognized, background-checked uh, uh, child care for zero to fives. So if it's a matter of, like, children or something like that, you'll be able to pay attention, and your children will still be well taken care of.
1: Any question I didn't ask that you'd like to share about the Old Ribbon Program or an anecdote?
2: Actually more so about describing the rest of the uh, cycles. I talked to, described about the pre, but then there's the during event, and that, the during event is specifically for the family members so we try to get them all back together reconnect them making sure that if there's any issues we can address them we also help them sort of understand what reintegration is going to look like so we address current problems problem solve through that and you know what what's it going to look like when the service member gets home after the deployment about 45 to 60 days after the deployment the uh we come back and we do our our post one event And that's reacquainting now that you have deployed, these are your benefits, i.e., we're going back to the VA. Uh, Some people didn't have VA benefits when they deployed. Now that they've come back, they do. And so that's explained to them. We explain how long their TRICARE is going to last. Um, They just reestablish that contact, personal financial counselors, SFRS, all those other aforementioned uh, programs. Then we do a 90-day. Post two event, which really gears more towards uh, the the actual reintegration. We are less about benefits and more about helping somebody. Um, we have something for everybody: single soldiers, married soldiers, whatever. Um, reconnection, five love languages. We have. Red Cross brings in uh, different kind of workshops. We have establishing better employment. Again, I talked about that money. Now, you know what? I'm going to have to work two or three jobs to make the paycheck that I was making before. So we get people that can help with resumes and help, you know, that are recruiting for better jobs for a soldier that's going to offer them better pay and that's really what that 90 or that uh, excuse me that post 2 event is all about then you have the post 3 which is between the full time unit staff and medcom and it's coordinating that post deployment health assessment type deal
1: for more information about the resources you've earned go to the website yellowribbon.mil Department of Defense, as of July 2023, 333,874 military service members were born after 9-11 and do not have memories of that day. With that in mind, Sergeant First Class Luis Mendez, and Sergeant Carlos Alvarez, National Guard recruiters in Rogers, Arkansas, organized the Never Forget 9-11 Ruck March with the Rogers Fire and Police Departments as a way to reach out to their surrounding community and remember 9-11 in a very Army way, rucking 12 miles with a 35-pound backpack. So what what gave you the idea to uh, do a community event like this, just in general? Well, the idea
5: stemmed from, well, September 11th, right? I think um, we need to remember and never forget. And then it's a great way to bring the community together. And not only that, but they see us here at this location and they just see a building. Um, So the, the thing we wanted to do is we wanted to show the community that, hey, we are the Arkansas Army National Guard, we are local, this is where we're at. You know, and bring the community together as as one to you know rem- remember and embrace September 11th. What's one of the things we do the most, being in the army, are rucks. <laughs> so we figured we try to incorporate something where we can put in a little bit of us, the army, and at the same time uh, do an event for the first responders that also had a great um, impact on that day for the community. You know, we will never know the sacrifice, the burden that the firefighters, the first responders carry that day. Those that sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice. Now, for us to do a ruck to carry 45 pounds, it's not what they were burdened with, but it is a weight on our shoulders that we could rem- remember and and you know reflect on that they. Burden themselves with with a lot more, which is the ultimate sacrifice, and that's why we chose the ruck.
1: Now, was this in conjunction
5: with a bike ride as well, or is that a separate event? Well, the idea started with a September 11th memorial ruck, but as we we came drew uh, closer to the date. We realized like that not everybody is able to ruck 45, 35 pounds. So, what we want to incorporate, is, so as we uh, the they drew closer, what we wanted to incorporate was, you know, something where everybody el- uh, everybody else that can ruck is able to participate. Therefore, we decided to open it up to walkers, runners, and even bikers.
1: That way, we include everybody. One of the many community stories that came out of the 9-11 Rock March was with the Rogers High School soccer team. What was the feedback from the
5: coaches at the high school? Well, so the coaches, they also said the, the whole purpose or reason of encouraging his soccer team to come here is because he wants to unite them. Uh, not only on the field, but off the field. And he wants to develop them as leaders. So he encouraged his soccer players to, you know, cheer on the other individuals and to to motivate, you know, the individuals partic- participating in this event. And, you know, that, that was awesome. How do you feel about the turnout you got? Oh, I think it was awesome turnout, I think it was awesome event, um, a, lot of, a lot of smiles, a lot, a lot of laughter, um, a lot of people just embracing um, the, the memorial ruck, and then, I mean, everybody put their best effort,
1: so it was, it was, was awesome. awesome. Two Arkansas Army National Guardsmen that participated in the Ruck March were OCS candidates Catherine Folkman and Lauren Lee. I asked them what inspired them most on the 9-11 Ruck March.
6: I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't there, you know, I hadn't enlisted at that time, so. It's just imagining what what people had to go through to defend against the 9-11 attack and how lives were changed and knowing that, you know, not only do you do ruck marches in army training, but in actual operations, you know, what what may have consisted um, uh, of those operations, it just, it's wild to think about how much has happened to protect the way of life that we have now. But I also think it's really important to kind of come here and put forth a little bit of time to kind of think about and really just remember what did happen and who laid their life down and why we have what we have for today to actually be able to do what we want to do and be able to come here to do this. It's exactly. Them, So Exactly. It's really important. Kind of like we're out there with this and you saw that people were stopping and asking, you know, what's this, what's going on? And we were able to tell them. and. It just kinda of brings that memory back up and people can always be reminded and yeah. kind of refresh in their brain that oh yeah, this did happen and people, you know, dedicate their time and their service to this sort of
1: thing. Um, so, uh, are you going to come out here again next year? I mean, would, would Definitely. You at
6: the event? Definitely. Oh, yeah. This is fun. Yeah. This is a great time. The weather yeah. is perfect. The weather was perfect. Time. Just being able to actually connect with my battle buddies over here. There was a few more people of us that we all drill together, and we're not in a drill setting, and so that's really nice to actually just kind of hang out and do a ruck march and you yeah. know, actually experience time together where we're not trying to do stuff on the drill side and it's really the only time we ever get to see each other and you know getting to do this is a nicer environment.
1: Have you heard any feedback yet from the community about the event? Oh absolutely
5: everybody loved it and everybody wants to do it again. Um, They're asking is this going to be a yearly event and absolutely it is. We're going to grow it. Uh, We're going to reach out to more community members
1: and you know hopefully by next year we could double the amount of people that are going to show up. For more information on the next 9-11 Ruck March, you can contact the Rogers Army National Guard Recruiting Office at 479-445-8122. ¶¶ back in the conference room in building 7301 at the Joint Service Support Building speaking with Kylie Andrews the Suicide Prevention Coordinator for the Arkansas National Guard now uh, as I understand it, there's going to be a transition from the assist training to the ASI training the uh, ask care escort Suicide intervention training. So, uh, tell me, Kylie, how how is it? Uh, explain the difference. What, what will a soldier be walking into when they take the AS the ASSI training?
3: Um, so, this training really aims to empower soldiers to recognize mental health warnings and risk factors. Uh, how to ask someone how, if they are um, planning on killing themselves. If they say yes, how to help care for them. Where they can get them to get the help that they. Need. Um,
1: so, this training in general, I mean, it, a lot of it's, uh, I don't want to call it touchy feely, but uh, how does it make you a better soldier?
3: So, this training really aims to implement some of, uh, cohesion between the Army values and suicide prevention. So, we touch on all of the Army values, but some of the examples would be loyalty, um, personal courage, and Selfless service, uh, it takes a lot of personal courage to ask someone if they're planning on killing themselves or personal courage to reach out for help if you're struggling. Um, selfless service, helping your fellow soldier and loyalty is, it, this is your family. Um, you should be there for them during these hard times.
1: So I remember we, we sent two soldiers over to do the assist training uh, pretty fairly recently and uh, a couple. one of them didn't want to do it because it was gonna take them away from training during drill. With that in mind, uh how what is the commitment that a soldier's gonna have for the ASSI training?
3: It's about six to eight hours depending on how the conversation goes.
1: I'm assuming it's still in civilian clothes and and uh it it's I remember assist training was pretty rough. <laughs> Emotionally, I, I don't want to get too descriptive about it, but uh, it, it was uh, it was some interesting training. The ASSI training. Explain what skills it gives a soldier in handling a crisis event.
3: It helps them give awareness of how they should be having this conversation. As we discussed, it should be very direct, um, but also helps with empathy. That's one of the things that we touch on during the training. How you can uh, active listen during this conversation makes someone feel more comfortable during this conversation Um, it gives you the skills for if they say yes they are planning on killing themselves how you can care for them and it also helps you identify the resources you have that you can reach out to to give these people the help they need.
2: Just uh, reinforcing what Kylie said, they have the uh, ability and they feel empowered to be able to recognize those risk factors. They can identify them, they can identify uh, warning signs, and most importantly, they're empowered and encouraged to ask that that question. It's very uncomfortable and it's awkward. And they'll have the ability to do that, and you know, just like with being assessed, they're ready, willing, and able to, to assist somebody that is considering suicide.
1: If a unit wanted to reach out to y'all and get this scheduled, this type of training schedule for drill, how would they how would they do that?
3: Um, they could contact me. My extension is four zero seven three.
1: summer was the hottest on record for the planet and the ninth hottest summer in Arkansas with 15 days in triple digits. And if you had annual training at Fort Chaffee, you know what those 15 days were like. I stopped by Range Control Fort Chaffee and asked Sergeant First Class Jonathan Wagley and Sergeant First Class Dan Fransfield for an end of summer safety brief. I'm at Range Control on Fort Chaffee in the briefing room speaking with Sergeant
4: Sergeant First Class Jonathan Wagley yeah. Sergeant First Class, Daniel Ramsfield. I'm the Range Ops NCOIC. And uh, tell me, how has the summer gone? Uh, I'm
1: assuming all the uh, annual training has come to an end?
4: Uh, We actually have one more unit coming in, an engineer unit to do annual training. It's a reserve engineer unit from uh, Texas, actually. Um, But most of the training has come to an end. It was in a short, busy. So we had, last year we had 90... 2,000 people, or 91,000 people come here to train, and so far this year, since October, we've had 93,000 people.
1: Is that a fairly typical year for you?
4: Yes, from, from my knowledge, yes, it's a pretty typical year. We're, we stay pretty steady all summer long. So as, as far as safety goes, has it been a good year? There has been an increase in uh, heat casualties. I, I don't know if it's because the the soldiers aren't hydrating enough, or uh, there's not en- enough emphasis put on it, but there has been increase in heat casualties. As you know, Fort Chaffee is probably the hottest place on earth, especially in the summer. So. What
1: have units been doing to mitigate those uh, conditions as far as the heat casualties? Usually, there's you know the ice blankets and cold water, but is anything new?
4: Been added to the list? I think with the increase of air conditioning in pretty much every tactical vehicle, that's helped out a lot so they can get them out of the heat into the AC quickly. And uh, we actually have a new MedicUVAC brief where we brief them on, hey, this is what you need to do right away if someone's going down because of heat, you know, get them in an ambulance, get them, you know, treated and all that.
0: And so far, I mean, the the medics that we've encountered with these units, they've they've been on top of it. I mean, as soon as someone starts looking like they're about to go down or something like that they'll they'll pull them into the medic tent and if they need an iv they'll go ahead and give them an iv so the the medics have been outstanding this year
1: has there been anything else other than the heat uh, that is pretty typical typical for uh for chaffin
4: a few vehicle accidents but they're minor uh, just fender benders no injuries for the most part it's mostly it's the heat that people go down We've had a couple brown
0: recluse bites, you know, that's typical around here. You normally see those every year in the summer. Uh, People just don't understand that they're out here or what they do or what they can cause. So they get bit by those and then they call us. So we've had a couple of those this year.
4: What about uh, snakes and bears? So snakes, a lot of sightings of snakes this year. There's an increase in snakes this year for whatever reasons. But just sightings, no bites that we've heard of. Uh, we did have a unit come in here, and the sergeant first class was all freaked out, and he was like, "Y'all didn't tell me you had scorpions out here." And we're like, "We said we have everything out here." So, just so people are aware, there are scorpions at Fort Chaffee. Yeah, so. and uh, one of the
0: things I can say that we've been kind of, we've been mitigating. We have a, a, what's called a soldier card, so we hand them out to the units when they when they uh, when they first get here and give them their safety brief it's got pictures of all the animals and what they look like so they can kind of keep an eye out for those animals so they can be aware of actually what they look like and it helps out a lot that way they know exactly what they're
1: looking
4: for and, and to watch out for what
1: has been unusual for this year as opposed to previous years
4: this year it was just an increased number of people in the month of June June was an exceptionally hot month this year and there was an increased number of people here with the XCTC. There was around close to 6,000 people here so that being very hot, increased number of people. There was more sightings of animals, there was more heat casualties, and so, so on and so forth. And this, The XCTC had units from all over the country, some from like further north, further east, so it's a little cooler over there, so they came here and it was just a little bit drastic for them though you know, a bit of a culture shock, you'd say, or weather shock.
1: We've had a pretty busy, at least around the country, we've had a pretty busy fire season. Tell me about the hazards here at Fort Chaffee as far as fires. Our concerned
0: some some of the hazards that we encounter is uh some of the the ammunition that gets fired here on chaffee are um used at night so, so there are uh tracer rounds which light up a little, little small ball of flame when they shoot um so that with the grass being really dead it really catches that grass and that's when it's when the fire hazards are really high, we limit that. So we, we tell them this can't not be shot. So we will, we will control that, mitigate that by restricting certain ammunition and pyrotechnics. That way it does not cause a fire. Um, we've also recently purchased um, some flappers for the units to draw out. That way they can try to put out their own fire if they see a fire, if it's safe for them to do so. Um, that way as soon as the fire gets started they can go down range put it out and we still call the fire department And they will go out and assess it to see if they need to put water on it and stuff like that So we're doing the best that we can to try to prevent
4: fires from spreading as soon as possible uh, there's over 90 miles of fire break on Fort Chaffee as well. Our DPW yearly uh, takes care of those fire bla- breaks, takes all the uh, fuels out of them and fixes that. And our fire department is phenomenal at responding to wildland fires. So they do a really good job. We, they, 99.99% of the time we'll keep it all contained where it needs to be. So,
1: And unexploded ordnance, that's a major hazard out here or just only in certain areas?
4: So, so mainly just in the surface-cleared area, we haven't had anybody, thank goodness, actually uh, have any go off on them. Uh, there's been several found over the years, and we just ask people if you find them, continue training, mark it, stay out away from it, and let us know, and we'll go verify, and we'll call EOD to from the Air Force and Little Rock, unfortunately, to come blow it. It takes a while, but we had... Uh, um, one unit they found 32 different UXOs in one week and we were able to take care of all those at once. So it was a good, good long night for us. As you uh, read off the safety brief, and of course all of it is important, are there
1: any uh, areas of it that y'all emphasize?
4: I always emphasize the UXOs because that's something that can kill them right away if they're not paying attention to it. Even though we haven't had anybody hurt yet, we don't want anybody to ever get hurt with them. And we had ordinance from World War II all through the Cold War used out here that's still out there. So. know I know the one thing
0: that I always like to emphasize is communication Um, communication is a big key Um, when they when they tell us that they're going out that's how we track people Uh, so we we really I really focus on communication that way we know when they're going out where they're gonna be how many people's out there and they give us hourly radio checks when they occupy that way we can make sure they're safe and not moving back and forth because that's we control their routes to make sure, because there's certain routes that they can go when certain events are happening, say artillery, well they can't cross under a certain path due to artillery. So we have to tell them the certain path that they have to go. So communication is a big key with me.
1: Recently, the Department of Defense identified the Fort Chaffee Joint Maneuver Training Center as a level one training site, one of only five level one training sites in the National Guard. Colonel David Givens, Fort Chaffee Joint Maneuver Training Center commander said, This increase in classification solidifies the national reputation of Fort Chaffee as a premier joint collective training center. Explain to me the dynamics here at Fort Chaffee. Uh, I I understand that you have uh, um, every branch of service here training at any given time?
4: Yes, we have uh, every branch of the U.S. military comes out here to train except for Space Force so far, but I'm sure we'll see them in the future. Uh, we have uh, the Navy SEALs that train out here. We have lots of law enforcement trains here from local law enforcement to all the way to federal law enforcement. So the dynamic is there for them to do whatever they need to, and Air Force likes to come here and use our ranges. They even say they're better than most ranges they've been to even on any Army post. So. That's a good thing. If Air Force is saying we look good, um, we have a, a lot of uh, Marine Corps anti-tank units come here to train because they're actually able to shoot their anti-tank weapons here at Fort Chaffee because we have an impact area that's um, 6,000 acres. And
0: one of, the things, one of the things that I always like is we look at units, like engineering units, um, we look at them as an asset to us. So we use them and it gets them training as well. So if we have certain projects that need to be done, like our fire breaks, we need help on our fire breaks, we will send the engineer units out there, we will request their assistance, and they will do our fire breaks for us or do certain projects for us to help better the post. And that gets them training and makes Chaffee better as well.
1: Say, for example, I was a soldier that's never been to Fort Chaffee before. What advice would you give that soldier?
0: Prepare for the heat. (laughs) Uh, The heat is a big thing, and if, if you're not prepared for it,
4: it, it will it will come up and bite you yeah that's how i'd say too prepare for the weather the weather it's it can be hot one minute raining the next and then it'll get hot again it's really hot in the summer sometimes in the winter time it's unforgiving as well we we get ice storms here all, but the heat is what really hurts the soldiers out here. So hey, prepare for it and have fun because you you will not get better training anywhere else than here at Fort Chaffee. At Fort Chaffee, has there been any renovations that have changed the
1: capabilities of the base as far as training goes?
0: So we've been we've been doing a lot of renovations, trying to slowly here and there. Um, I know on range was it ninety that we've uh, we've. Dug into the berm a little bit so we can drive a, a vehicle up to there. That way they can do mounted shoots with that machine guns, and uh, we also have a range, uh, range 83. It's a range, it's IPBC lane. Um, The infantry units have loved that. That's something that that it's hard to come by in this area. So us adding that has has added that capability for units that are closer here instead of them having to travel farther to go to that.
1: Something Colonel Gibbons always promotes about Fort Chaffee is the complexity, the level of complexity of the training that y'all can have here at Fort
4: Chaffee. Can you explain some of that? What, What does he mean by that? So we basically we can train... Air, land and sea here on Fort Chaffee. So we have the only bridging sites across the major river in the United States. So we have four of those, the engineer units can do their bridging operations. And they can also pair it with artillery units or infantry units to cross the bridges and you know infill to the the other side. And we also have uh, air. We have range eighty seven which is a our aerial gunnery range where they can do gunnery and bombing out there and um, artillery that's a big one there's uh, not very many posts where you can actually shoot rocket artillery where fort chaffee has that capability to shoot rocket artillery and then we'll shift a little bit from the ranges we go back to cantonment. we actually have one of the nicest acft uh, facilities in the in our entire region Um, camp robinson has the same uh, same ACFT facility as well, but we have 32 lanes and we can set up all 32 lanes and multiple units can take the ACFT. A whole battalion can take the ACFT at once. So that's some of the, the different capabilities we have and the complexity that we have. So
1: so, so for example, a unit coming in from Georgia can, can, uh, can come in and do their uh, annual training, their live fire, and then also knock out their ACFT for the year as well. Is that...
4: Absolutely. That's what most units do. They start out in containment for the first few days. They'll knock out their ACFT and then they'll pack everything up and they'll head out to the ranges. And we have you know, complexity where basically anything the units ask for we can provide. We actually have throwout ranges as well, like if they say, hey, we need targets at 50 meters, 60 meters, 70 meters, 80 meters, we can uh, set that up for them with mechanical pop-up ranges. And we also have a full-time safety officer who can develop their SDZs for them to make sure nobody gets shot on accident and we can uh, build their training for how they need their training to be. So we talked a little bit offline.
1: I, uh, I asked if a, if a division level unit could come here and train. And, and we don't have the housing here at Fort Chaffee, but, uh, but how, many, how many soldiers can train here comfortably?
4: Well, uh, like I said, we had almost 6,000. I believe a, a smaller division will have around 9,000 soldiers. So I, I think we probably could get a division here. They would have to bed down the field, though, of course. Um, there's some ranges that couldn't shoot at the same time as other ranges. Most of our ranges can go hot at the same time. But mostly in front of the – like in front of the barracks, there's normally large what we call them parade fields,
0: and they're – I mean, If they wanted to sleep in the, they have the AC tents.
4: If they set those out, I I think we could accommodate a division. I know we can accommodate a brigade plus with no problems. Fort Chaffee was just recently named a, a level one training facility and that, that basically means we are a backup as a mobilization site. So when active duty is mobilizing people, if they need to send soldiers somewhere to train to mobilize for a major you know, conflict or whatnot, Fort Chaffee has been deemed appropriate to train people. at. All we need is First Army to come and evaluate them, and then they can train here and then ship out the door to go to the Middle East or Europe or wherever they need to go. Fort
1: Chaffee has 41,000 acres of oak savannas, woodlands, and native prairies available for outdoor recreation. The base is a designated wildlife management area and all Arkansas Game and Fish regulations apply. You'll also need a background investigation and permit, which can be obtained at the ArkansasNationalGuard.mil website under the Fort Chaffee Joint Maneuver Training Center tab. Also, uh, another concern here, uh, I guess, at range control is hunting on base uh, for civilians. Is is that happen no Uh,
4: we can talk about our uh, sportsmen so we have a sportsman's page that um, Arkansas sportsmen can log on there and we have uh, areas that are sportsman's areas that are open or closed depending on what ranges are hot unfortunately most sportsmen like to hunt on the weekends our ranges are going on the weekends so it there's a disconnect where they think oh they're they're closing for their buddies which is not the case we're only closing for training we want the sportsmen to come here we want them to you know utilize its beautiful area to hunt in and fishing and all that I've actually caught or not caught but found several people like to hike and bike on the roads at Fort Chaffee and when the area is open for sportsmen they're allowed to do that sorry I've been to ambush you with
1: that (laughs) Um, off-topic
4: question we we, we get that a lot so
0: it's uh, Myself myself, and uh, Staff Sergeant Jones, he's the full-time um, fire desk operator. We have access to the page that closes the areas. Uh, so we look at the training being conducted, and we look at what areas it will affect where a round could go. So once we look at that, we close the areas off that are in danger or you know, could possibly be in danger. And then uh, we leave everything else open that there's no training being conducted in those.
1: So if a civilian was interested in coming on base to, for hunting or recreation, uh, how would they
4: go about doing that? So the the website is fortchaffee.recaccess.com. And they can also contact the environmental branch, 479-484-2231. So they can contact call them and they they can get them the training they need or be for that information is on the arkansas national guard website
1: as yes. well okay
0: and that system so they they're doing everything online now so you'll get online at that at that website that he gave you previously and you'll do you'll submit a, a background check they'll do a background check to, in order to hunt on base and they'll give you when when the background check comes in they'll give you a vehicle permit and uh your permit to hunt and then you got to pay for it, obviously, uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a good it's a good program. And then when they when the areas are open, they they get on their phone on the website and check into the area that they're going into, and then they are supposed to check out when they leave. That's how we can keep track of who's where
4: for their safety.
1: On Fort Chaffee, what are there any recreational areas you would recommend? Or uh, what appeals to most people when they come on base, hunting or otherwise?
4: Uh, I would probably say the fishing. A lot of people like to go by the river crossing sites by the Arkansas River and fish the Arkansas River. I've seen lots of people doing that. Um, Engineer Lake and Darby Lake have a good fishing as well. So it's, they, we probably get a lot of fishermen in the summertime, like when ATs aren't going on. Uh, hunting is always always an ish, always a uh, thing because areas are closed a lot and they have to go to an area where they may not scouted their deer. But fishing is available almost year-round. So. And earlier you mentioned that
1: during drill weekends, of course, the base is closed for training for to, from hunting, or is it just certain areas?
4: Just certain areas. So if there's no danger to any, anyone in that area from uh, you know ammunition or, or bombs, uh, the area will be open so they can go in there and they can hunt. So that's, we only close them if it's absolutely going to cause a safety risk to a
1: hunter out there. And uh, did you mention biking and hiking?
4: Is that right? Yes, uh, When the area is open, uh, people are allowed to check in and go biking on our trails and hiking. I've I've found several people. I thought they were just out lost, but I was talking to them like, no, we're just. I'm just hiking, getting ready for this hike, and these people are out biking and stuff. So it's really good for off road biking. So, tell me about
1: working at Range Control. What is what is that like to go from like an M day status and then uh, to get a job working at Range Control? What what would a soldier expect?
4: So. Uh, most of our our soldiers rm day i'm one of the lucky full timers and i came from the uh, unit where it was, uh, we had a lot of unit stuff that we had to do throughout the month. Whereas Range Control, we focused mainly just on safety and controlling the units down range to make sure they're safe with each other, and they can conduct training. We want them to have the best quality training they can get at Fort Chaffee. So, working here at Range Control, I had no idea Fort Chaffee had the capabilities that it had until I got here, and that's the big thing. If you someone needs to come train here, they can come just ask us anything. Hey, are we able to do this? Can we do this? You know where's your you know what range can we shoot machine guns on and all that what can we do dynamic training on it we have all those answers here cuz we're here and we're, we're Constantly like doing this for units is getting them the training that they need, but that's from a full time perspective. I'm sure Sergeant Wagley has an M day perspective. Yeah, uh,
0: being being on an M day day status, I've been on orders well for a while now, but uh, being M day status, so we have four teams that cover each weekend of the month. Um, if we have a fifth weekend, then we have we do like a voluntary status. So hey, who wants to cover this weekend? And we'll get people to cover that weekend. We normally have. Roughly about five to seven personnel per team. Uh, So those five to seven personnel will cover first, second, and third shift for that weekend. And it's uh, me being E7, I'm the, the, the team lead for my team. So I control the shifts and monitor the safety for that weekend that I have drill on. And it's just, it's been an outstanding. If, if someone has something planned for a weekend, our our soldiers have the capability to switch with another soldier on another weekend. That way, we're still covered for the month, and it gives them the flexibility, too, if something as important as planned, like, a, let's say, a college test or vacation or something with family. And that I think that's, that's really beneficial to the soldiers as well.
1: What kind of background would you expect a soldier to have to come to range control?
4: So it's basically MOS and material. Anybody can do it. We prefer combat arms just because they have a better understanding of it, but once you get to range control and you start seeing how the units move and interact with each other, you'll pick it up real quick the the biggest thing is getting on a computer and typing in numbers that's the hardest part but when you work at range control you're doing your job every day and the the one
0: thing I can say that I really liked about range control is especially e5 e4s and lower it, it's beneficial to them uh, because range control we're, we're always needing help throughout the throughout the summer so we have capabilities of bringing those on ADOS those E4s and E5s I'm one of the lucky E7s that that got brought in on ADOS but um, E4s and E5s that are really wanting that ADOS money and we have the capabilities of putting them on if if we have training going on and need their assistance it really helps us out and it helps them out too.
1: Aside from uh, you know learning uh, increasing your skills as a soldier uh, what do you like about working at range control What, what is your favorite aspect of your day?
0: I I think the favorite aspect of my day is just the knowledge Um, I mean you get you you come to work and it's always it's always something different I mean there's there's there are there are days where it's gonna be the same thing every day but mostly it's it's always different we have helicopters flying planes flying bullets artillery mortars I mean you name it it's always something different we have archaeological digs going on right now Um, so they 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 tell us all kinds of stuff that they come in they've they found a root cellar not long ago that with wires running to it. So it, I mean, it was, it's it's neat to to see all the the history
4: that's behind Chaffee as well. I'd say, like he said, it, it's ever changing. There's always something new going on. Always something different. It's uh, it's like. Uh, I I tell people it's like being law enforcement everything is different, every day is different every traffic stop is different so a lot of people that are law enforcement do work here and that's what they like too is because they're able to think quickly on their feet and do the same thing that they do out on the streets Well, Thank you gentlemen, I appreciate
1: you talking to me I love asking soldiers why they love being soldiers and, and I always get a better response than any other question I get Thank you Thank you A concept analysis on the National Institutes of Health website, there's an ongoing debate as to whether suicide resilience should be defined as an ability to regulate suicidal thoughts or belief system that buffers an individual from suicidal stress. But there's no debate that resiliency training helps soldiers facing adversity, including suicidal risk. And when asked, it was the importance of resiliency training that both Master Sergeant Chattery and Kylie Andrews wanted to close on. How does uh, ASSI complement ASSIST? How are these two, how do they work together?
2: Well, I always encourage everybody, definitely get ASSI, because it's right there. It's readily available in our force, but, Never, no soldier will leave a, a, a good tool behind, you know, or turn their back on, on a, a good tool or a good weapon. And assist would be just that next step in that evolution, uh, and especially in depth of subject matter. You know, you go from a one-day course then to a two-day course and just try to hone your craft and and become more comfortable and knowledgeable in that skill set.
3: Something that we try to push is resiliency. Resiliency helps suicide prevention because suicide prevention is about stopping it before it even gets to having the conversation, are you planning on killing yourself? Resiliency would be things that you can do to help protect yourself from negative mental health effects, things like self-care, having a strong support system.
1: How does the resiliency that that all soldiers uh, Trained for, um, how does that fit into the the whole scheme of things as far as
2: well? You have resiliency, but then you have these skills that we've gotten from the study of resiliency, and we try to teach those at the unit level, and they've kind of been beaten in there, by Let's let's be honest about it. But resiliency itself, what people don't understand is resiliency is prevention. It's proactive prevention. Again, let's go back to Yellow Ribbon. We try to educate, empower, and provide resources for service members, families, designated individuals for problems that may or may not occur. So we're kind of getting ahead of it. They're educated and they know the resources before a problem arises. Again, that's resiliency, getting ahead of a problem. Um, ASSI you know, it helped empower a soldier to recognize risk factors and and warning signs. But then resiliency provides those protective factors to mitigate those risk factors to hopefully uh, nullify or keep them from becoming warning signs. Real resiliency has a place in every part of everyday life. It does have a place in any good or bad action it's there for prevention it's good and uh and great in response it's good in intervention and you know it has a needed place in postvention mm-hmm.
1: so what would be your suggestion for keeping uh, the hunt the good stuff fresh and and foremost in people's mind and not becoming more of a not to become more of a catchphrase that that a unit uses uh what would be your suggestion for keeping that that training fresh
2: well learn to have a conversation rather than death by PowerPoint. Learn how to talk somebody through a skill, then teaching the skill and saying this is what it is and this is what you're gonna do. Learn to incorporate it as a conversation to be able to use with uh, soldiers because when the time comes, you're gonna have uh, a conversation with somebody, you're not gonna stop and have a PowerPoint to rely on. So learn how to incorporate that and every leader should should already know how to do that.
1: All right, well, uh Thank you, Kylie. Uh, thank you, Master, and I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me about suicide prevention and the Yellow Ribbon Campaign. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.
0: <laughs>
1: this has been Drill Weekend with the Arkansas Army National Guard. I'm Sergeant First Class Jim Houston. Thank you for joining us. See you next drill.